أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي رب أوزعنا نشكر نعمتك التي نعمت علي وعلى والدي ونعمل صالحا ترضاه وأصح لي في ذريتي إني تبت إليك وإني من المسلمين Alhamdulillah, last week we began an introduction to the field of knowledge in Islam that we call Tasawwuf, and we explained briefly about why I wanted to speak about this subject, specifically because too many people today are looking for the spiritual path, and many are led astray or misguided by either those who don't understand the path, or those who are using them rather than for a path to the hereafter but to the dunya. So we explain what, what is Tasawwuf and where it comes from and how the scholars of the past spoke about it and the confusion about many who says that Tasawwuf only started maybe 500 years or more after the Prophet wasallam returned to his Lord. But I was showing you that it started from the beginning, from the time of the life of Rasulullah in the first generation, first century, and it became prominent in the second century, and it spread all over the Muslim world by the third century. Today, inshallah, what we are going to talk about is the knowledge of the Sufis, okay, and what they speak about, and then we are going to speak about the greatest Sufis, I'm going to mention some of the greatest scholars. And when I mention their names, you can Google them, you can go and inquire about them. This, this is the greatest Muslim scholars through the generations. Most of the Islamic library is written by them. Anybody who wants to take knowledge has to take it from them. So, what is the knowledge of the Sawf? It is a knowledge through which that the person is purified and cleansed to achieve the best of manners and to give them the ability of living a life interacting with others with truthfulness and honesty, kindness and mercy and above all, generosity. This makes them the best of people in dealing with others. The reason is so that, inshallah, they will receive the happy living here and the eternal happy life in the hereafter. Taking this from two verses from the Quran, you hear a lot of people saying that, well, the Sufis, it's all innovation. They're bringing their own thing. Nothing the Sufis do but must be from the Quran and the Sunnah. In Surah Al-Ankabut, the spider, verse 69, Allah says, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم والذين جاهدوا فينا لنهدينهم سبلنا وإن الله لمع المحسنين And those who strive towards us 
we will indeed guide them to our path. For indeed Allah is always with those who do good. Literally here, Al-Muhsineen, they take it as the Sufis, the people who try to perfect their actions by doing what has been commanded in Sharia and fulfilling that 100% by striving to raise themselves through the stages of faith to perfect their character and doing all that what is needed by following every little sunnah the Prophet used to do or say so that they can reach this position of Ihsan because Allah loves those who are muhsin or good in their doing or perfected their actions. In Surah An-Nahl, the B, verse 128, Allah says, Indeed, Allah is always with those who avoid doing anything that is forbidden and those who are always perfecting their actions. So the muhsin is the one who is striving not just to do things because they, are, they have been commanded or just because the Prophet did them, they will try to do them, yes, because Allah commanded them, because the Prophet did them, but they try to do them with perfection. Everything must be done with perfection to them. Why? Because as I quoted to you last week, when Jibreel came to the Prophet and kneeled before him, his knees touching his knees, and he asked him, Mal Islam, what is Islam? Mal Iman, what is Iman? And at the end, Mal Ihsan, what is Ihsan? He said, to worship Allah as if you see him, but you can never see him, but he always sees you. So a muhsin is somebody behaving knowing that Allah is watching him. If a child is sitting and his parents are sitting, knowing that they are watching him, he will never put a foot wrong. But for a moment, if they go away, he will do something. And a lot of us, sometimes, when we are alone, we think there is nobody, I can do anything. And that is a sign of weakness. So there is, in fear, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of might there are two stages the first one is just to fear him because he might punish you or maybe he will not reward you what you are looking for but the higher one is to fear him because of his position even if you are alone the one who fear Allah who sustains him regularly even when they are alone, they know that Allah is with them, watching them, seeing what they do. The topic of this great school of Tasawwuf, we call Taskiyah. Taskiyah. And also includes Tasfiyah. And includes Ta'mir. Three Arabic words, Taskiyah, Tasfiyah and Ta'mir. Taskiyah is that which I said last week, Ibrahim السلام, asked Allah from his progeny there will be one who will lead the people of the land of the Haram Mecca and he will recite for them the Quran, he will teach them the meaning of the Quran and teach them the wisdom and purify them by through Taskiyah. Taskiyah meaning to purify one ego or nafs from its wants and needs or desires. But Allah then accepted his dua with his son 
and made after the recitation of the Quran from the Prophet to the people, delivering that message, the Tazkiyah came first. Then the teaching of the book and the Muslim. That is the idea. So this is why the Sufis chose this must be the most important thing. After you learn how to read the Quran and to pray your prayer and to do the basic pillars of Islam, then they must perfect. They begin to perfect their actions. So Tazkiyah is their subject. Tazfiyah Tazfiyah is to remove all the ills that are camouflaging the heart. The heart is like a pure see-through glass. If you put light inside, you could see it all over the place. But through sinning and avoiding what Allah has commanded and indulging in that which does not concern us and arrogance and many other qualities that are no good, the heart is camouflaged, is covered. And then the purification of the desires leads to the tasfiyah or the purification of the heart itself. So it will be just like sieving, okay, something through a sieve. This is what the heart does. You take all the wrong thing and you leave the good in it so that it can shine for you to see and understand and comprehend. What ta'mir. And they work hard to fulfill the nature of man with the best qualities. If you are aware of the teaching of Imam Ghazali, and if you have ever read Ihya'ulumad-Din, he talks about all the ills, and he gives all the things that you should do to fill. Because if you are cleaning, then removing, what are you going to do then? You have to put in. You buy a new property, it is in need of reshaping, okay? It need of refurbishment. The first thing you do, you clean it out. You take all that which you don't want. Okay? Rip everything off. The next thing you do, you begin your refurbishment. But after you refurbish it, it looks beautiful. Unless it has been refurnished and lived in, what's the benefit? So you, you purify your ego and you cleanse your heart, but you stop there, you have nothing. You need to fill the heart. This is called ta'mir. Okay? Filling the heart. And tasawwuf has ten fundamentals that are so important. If any one of you sitting here who's already following a Sufi path, given a bay'ah to a sheikh, or intending researching, these are the most important things for a Sufi to think about. Because once you join that school, these are the things that the Sufis say you must have. Number one, Al-Had, which is the way we define what the Sawf is. The definition of this concept of the Sawf. It is given too many definitions. A lot of the Mashayikh themselves from the time of Al-Hasan al-Bisri, Wal-Junaid, Ma'roof al-Karakhiyah, Bayezid al-Bastami, these are the greatest scholars of Tasawuf, they give their own interpretation of what Tasawuf is. Some of them they say, when the heart is purified. Some of them they say, when the relationship between Allah and the servant, okay, 
is linked to, and so on. But all of them fall into one perfect meaning. It is Sidghat Tawajjuh ilallah. Sidghat Tawajjuh ilallah. Being truthful in turning to Allah within yourself. You're not doing it for no reason. You're only turning to Allah. You don't want to seek a spiritual path and cleanse yourself, purify your heart, so that you can have some powers. So that you can hear that which men cannot hear. So that you can see that human cannot see. That you can do by the gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala some miracles. No, no, no. You don't want nothing of that. We call all these awa'iq, or barriers, or veils. When you want Allah, you go to Allah. If you are traveling from A to B, and you need to be at B at a certain time because of the importance of your presence there, anything in the path that delays you is not important. If you took time to delay yourself, then nobody should be blamed but yourself. Imam Malik, rahmatullah alayh, and this is a very important proof. Imam Malik lived in the first century. He died in the year 1993. He is one of the tabi'in. He was taught by one of the greatest tabi's, Nafi'. And therefore, when you look at his chain, Malik says, Haddathani Nafi', Nafi' related to me. Haddathahu Anas ibn Malik. Anas is a companion. Or Haddathatu Aisha, or Aisha addressed him and told him something. So his chain is called the golden chain because it is short. There is no room for any error there to say somebody in the chain is weak. The longer the chain, maybe somebody in the middle could not be trusted. So those who say the Sawuf came later, they are talking nonsense. A lot of the Christians who lived in Sham, and I'll tell you at the end, they wrote in their books that the Sawuf started maybe six, seven hundred years after the first time. And they quoted things. When you look at the research and compare it to the people whom they said they took from them, look at their books, it contradicts. They give everything wrong. I had never seen one that is correct from the, those people who tried to give exactly what the Sawuf started. And this is one evidence. If Ibn Malik lived and died nine, 93 years after Hijra, or from the day Hijra started, he did the first century. And he spoke about Tasawwuf, and this is what he said in telling us the definition. He said, Man Whosoever takes a pass of knowledge of Sufism, however, does not learn the fundamentals of Islam, Indeed, he has become or she has become an atheist or an unbeliever. And this is what I am fearing today for our people. Because you see, across the world, spirituality is Sufism. Okay. But you don't need to go back to religion. I had a person coming to me here asking me once. He said, I'm a Sufi. I said, wow. Were you born a Muslim? No, I converted to Islam. What religion you had before? Hinduism. Okay. Or Sikhism, something like that. I can't remember. I think Sikhism. And I love the soul. 
and then, but you are not a Muslim? No, not a Muslim. They didn't even know what Islam is. They are flying in cloud cuckoo land. Seriously. And this person sitting there going, all these things. They are high, but I don't know what they are high from. And you see a lot of people among those who were hippies and those who were whatever, in the Western Europe, America, in Africa, just like the movement of the 60s and the world was changing and women want to be men and men want to be women, this little freedom after the Second World War, and suddenly everybody is spiritual. There is a thin line between you being spiritual and you being an unbeliever in God or an atheist. Because if you are a spiritualist, you must believe in God. And you must follow a path of religion. You must. And if you are a Muslim, you must be following Muhammad Sallam. And if you are following Muhammad Sallam as a Sufi, your school begins with Islam, submission, and acting upon the Sharia, the Islamic law. Everything the Sharia tells you, you must follow it. And then, you must strive day and night to perfect your Iman. There are 71 to 79 stages of Iman or ranking of Imams. And the highest is the peak, Taqwa. And Allah said earlier in the verse I read, in Allah Allah is with those who reach that peak. And then, those who are Muhsins, those who began to perfect themselves and do everything for the sake of Allah. So if you become a Sufi, but you don't understand, you don't pray, you don't fast, there are Sufis who thought about it, they're drinking, they're alcoholic, they're gambling, they say, no, 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 I'm a Sufi because I'm higher than that. I don't need to do this. This is for the, the little ones. When you are unable to reach our height, then you need to work on that first. But we are already have reached that position. That's nonsense. As the people who worship the idols, when you ask them, why are you worshiping an idol? They say, because it links us to God. But you don't need something to link you to God. You can use something to intercede to God, but you cannot use it to link you. The link between you and God is your messenger. And the teaching the messenger brought to you. And when you talk to the learned people among those people, say, well, these are just beginners. They can't be like us who are in the higher position. They have to use this intermediate to reach God. Astaghfirullah, that's wrong. All this has no place. And he said, following that, وَمَنْ تَفَقَّهَ وَلَمْ يَتَصَوَّفْ فَقَدْ تَفَسَّقْ وَمَنْ تَفَقَّهَ وَلَمْ يَتَصَوَّفْ فَقَدْ تَفَسَّقْ And the one who follow the religion, the basic, and becomes a Muslim, praying your five, fasting your Ramadan, and doing all those things, and you think this is sufficient, and you don't care about the rest. He said, indeed, this person might go astray, go wrong, or he might be sinful. This is encouraging every Muslim to reach the position of perfection. Wouldn't you like, if you are studying to get the best grade, if they told you, if you get a C, you passed, but you can get an, a B, which is better, very good. If you get an A, you get excellent. And if you get a, a distinction or an A star, you are outstanding. 
Who would like just to get a C? Unless you are just useless. Every human being within their nature, they strive to achieve the best. So for the hereafter, we must do that. And then he says, وَمَنْ جَمَعَ بَيْنَهُمَا فَقَدْ تَحَقَّقَ And whosoever unite both of them, understand the basics, and live Islam through Sharia, and then act upon perfecting their living of Islam through Tasawuf, they have reached the reality of what Allah wants from us. This is Imam Malik. And this is to negate anybody else who say, nobody knew Tasawuf in the first generations. That's nonsense. And this is the first generation, or the second generation of the Tabi'een, Imam Malik. What is the subject? Number two, I said there are ten in number two, is the subject of Tasawuf. What is their subject that they talk about? Al-Nafs, Wal-Qalb, Wal-Ruh. The ego, the heart, and the spirit. Ask anybody who's just good into the basic Islam to talk about this subject. They don't know. The only people who talk about them and they understand them all are the Sufis. Because a lot of people who just generally, they say nafs is ruh and ruh is nafs. Who says so? This is like the ignorant people of today who say jihad is fighting and killing. Nonsense. Jihad is not fighting and killing. In the Quran, the killing is called qital. Jihad is to strive to perfect anything. And the bigger jihad, Rasulullah said in the hadith, is to restrain oneself from doing evil. And purifying your nafs. That is a jihad. And the Sufis consider this the best jihad. Is to perfect their character. So nafs, the plural is nafus. Qalb, the plural is qulub. Ruh, the plural is arwah. So if somebody asks you, what's the subject of the Sufis? It's ilmul nafus wal qulub wal arwah. For what reason? لِتَصْفِيَتِهَا وَتَهْذِيبِهَا So that they can purify okay, the ego, the heart, and the spirit and bring the position of the human being to become the best conduct creature of God living on this earth. To acquire all the good qualities that makes you a decent, honorable human being. What's the purpose? To draw yourself nearest to the Creator Almighty Allah. That's it. Lil Qurb min Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The verse says, Allah is with those who have piety, fear of Allah to avoid the haram, and those who always perfect their action. Allah muhsinun. The third pillar of this knowledge. Al-Wada'a. Who put the knowledge of Ihsan or Tasawuf to those who took it? It is the Prophet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught him through Jibreel alayhi salam by inspiration and directed to his heart. First, the Sharia, the laws that govern the living physically, and second, the Haqiqa the spiritual knowledge of perfecting one character. Everything comes from Rasulullah 
if you read in the Ihya, every matter of Sharia or Haqiqa, the Prophet spoke about it. The Quran spoke about it. Imam Al-Ghazali, he quotes the Quran, quotes the Hadith to show you it come from him. So he is the one who put this knowledge together, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Sharia, he mentioned it is for everyone who submit. Once you submit, it is your duty. Once you say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah Sallallahu it is your duty to be clean. So tahara, purity, cleansiness. Physical, tahara, in your body, in your clothing, in the place where you are, wherever you might be. So a Muslim, always clean. Not a muhsin, a Muslim. Just to show you, you must be clean. Clean physical body, clean clothes-wise, and clean wherever you are. A Muslim should never accept dirt or a bad smell. That's why always brushes, always made wudu, always cleanse himself by istinja when he goes to the toilet, and always washed his body. Always cut his nails, tidied his hair. <coughs> always, sallallahu alayhi wa carried his toothbrush, and carries, okay, his razor or scissors to cut his hair with. Always. This is Rasulullah And the perfume, to perfume himself. He did that. And then, his clothes. Doesn't have, you don't have to have new clothes, but even if they're ripped, you mend them. But you have to have them clean. You should be looking tidy. And the third thing is the place you are in. Whether it is your bedroom, your sitting room, your kitchen, wherever you are. Always, whenever you go to any place, don't leave dirt behind. A muhsin will never do that. A Muslim shouldn't do it, but a muhsin will never. Especially if you are a Sufi. You can't go to a place, eat a sweet and leave the paper behind. You can't go to the train or the bus, or drink your drink, eat your fish and chips and leave everything on. What is this? You can't be driving your car and you are eating and totally open your glass and throw your thing outside. Does it make sense? The lowest degree of Iman, not Ihsan, is when you walk in the street, you see rubbish, you remove it. Fearing somebody else will be harmed from it. This is the lowest degree of Iman. Imatul Adha an tariq That's the idea. So we need to think about these things. Okay? So the Prophet ﷺ did this, and the haqiqa khassa biha ba'dan duna ba'd. When it came to the knowledge of the purification, he didn't give it to everybody. He chose some rather than others. And one of those people whom he chose, Ali ibn Abi Talib, عنه, the one whom all the Sufis, they relate their lineage of the dhikr through him. All of them. Okay? From Hassan al-Bithri and the rest of them, their lineage goes back to Ali ibn Abi Talib. Number four. The name. Okay? فَهُوَ عِلْمُ التَّصَوْفِ It is the knowledge of tasawuf. It is called tasawuf. It is, as I told you last week, there is a differing point of view. What's the name come from? Some said come from the suf. The wall, some say, come from the purity of the heart, some say from the sufa. The best definition that the Sufis, all of them, agreed upon, that it is from safa 
وصفه from purity and the place where the Prophet chose the poorest who were the dearest to Allah to worship. When you go today, every one of us fight to pray Torah Ga'az in the high stage where the poorest people of Medina used to sit. But why did the Prophet choose to put them in a high place? There are many reasons, but the most important reason because Allah favors them. Not even favor them because, because they are poor, he feels sorry for them, or because... No, 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 no. Some people try to interpret like that. But because Allah said they are the best of worshippers. They cut themselves from their needs and they fulfill what Allah needed from them. Okay? This is because the knowledge in their heart about Allah is so pure. And their worship is done with sincerity. Why? Because they purified their egos and they regularly maintain their heart by doing a lot of remembrance of Allah. And they work so hard so that they remove the ills that damage the heart. What are the ills? The cancers of the heart, spiritually. Al-Ujb, loving oneself, being selfish. Wal-Kibar, arrogance. Wal-Hasad, jealousy and envy. Wal-Riyah, hypocrisy. These are the most terrible ills. These four illnesses, if one has them, there is no reason for you to feel happy about it. Because this is damaging and it will lead you to the lowest of the low in hell. Who used to be in this position of being pure and clean among the companions are those whom Allah praised in Surah Al-Kahf in verse 28. And please read it when you go home. Verse 28, Surah Al-Kahf, the cave. Allah says to the Prophet, commanding him. Listen to this. He is the Prophet. He is the Messenger. Allah is showing him, among your companion, there are those who have perfected themselves. They fulfill their Islamic duties. They are striving day and night to increase their faith. And they have come to a position of perfection. Why? Because they used to come to the masjid early for their prayer, fighting to be in the first row. They used to be in the masjid after Fajr until sunrise. Not gossiping, not chit-chatting, not planning, not just having fun. Making dhikr of Allah, remembering Allah. They come early for maghrib, Half an hour maybe or more to remember Allah before sunset. They come early before Fajr. They know that the last part of the night is the most important. We wake up only for the last part of the night in Ramadan because we want to eat sahur. Why? Because there is barakah in it. Not realizing the barakah is not really in the food. The barakah is in the time. It's a blessed time. And Allah commanded in the Quran that, O oh, you who believe, remember me in abundance. Or remember me continuously, a lot. Okay? Infinitely. And glorify me before sunrise and before sunset. Why? So that I can take you away from the darkness to the light. يا أيها الذين آمنوا اذكروا الله ذكرا كثيرا وسبحوه بكرة وأصيلا هو الذي يصلي عليكم وملائكته ليخرجكم من الظلمات إلى النور وكان بالمؤمنين رحيما الله is always most merciful for those who believe in this so Allah said to the Prophet commanding him 
about those men. وَاصْبِرْ نَفْسَكَ مَعَ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَدَاتِ وَالْعَشِيِّ O Muhammad Sallam, be patient and sit with those who remember me and glorify me early morning and every evening. يُرِيدُونَ وَجْهَهُ They only want me. They don't want anything else. وَلَا تَعْدُعَيْنَكَ عَنْهُمْ To read the Nahat Dunya. Do not turn your eyes away from them. Wanting the glitter of this world. وَلَا تُطِعْ مَنْ أَخْفَنَّا قَلْبَهُ عَنْ ذِكْرِنَا وَاتَّبَعَ هَوَاهُ وَكَانَ أَمْرُهُ فُرُطَ And do not turn your sight and follow the one whom his heart is too busy with their own needs and desires neglecting our remembrance following their own desires and egos and their life is of no benefit. They just indulge. So if Sayyidina Muhammad is being asked to look at those, and I'll tell you later on who are these men. Their names are so beautiful because they were the greatest men Allah praised in the Quran. So here, the name Tasawwuf for this group comes from the purity of the heart of those people who used to sit in a place called As-Suffa because they used to rush to be in the first line to pray and they come early at the preferred time to remember Allah and they do it every day continuously until they passed away. Number five Istimdad or from where this knowledge is taken? What are the resources? The knowledge of Tasawuf is from the Quran and from the teaching of Sayyidina Muhammad الصالحين, and the inspirations of the guided ones. People are inspired. The Prophet said in the hadith, the believer sees with the light of God. The believer, the true, pious, righteous believer in the position of Ihsan, he sees things not everybody sees. He understands things nobody understands. And therefore, he says, some of them, they have been given that. And those who have reached the position of knowing who Allah is, Allah gives them openings. One of the greatest Sufis called Mahiddin ibn al-Arabi, he written a book called Al-Futuhat al-Makkiyah, The Openings of Mecca. It's mind-boggling. Most of it is mathematics. You see, talks a lot about things. He had a book, a small little book that I read whenever I have. You read it from the beginning to the end, you don't understand anything. <laughs> it's called Shijarat al-Kawm, the tree of creation, the tree of the world. Beautiful. I read it, I'm telling you, I read it again and again, and I open it and I write it. It's just mind-boggling. You see, if you like mathematics, you would love Mahdin ibn al-Arabi. He's a beautiful man. We love him very much. May Allah bless his soul. Number six. What is the hukum? What is the ruling? Should we all become Sufis? Imam Ghazali, without any hesitation, he says, It is compulsory for every Muslim to seek perfection in their deen. Because he said, It's ihsan. Tasawuf is ihsan. And Allah loves the muhsins. Allah is closest to the muhsins. Allah defends the muhsins. Who doesn't want to be defended? Who doesn't want to be close to Allah? Who doesn't want Allah to love them? All of us, we want that. Therefore, then, we should all strive to achieve it. 
is la yakhlu ahad min aib aw marad he says if you don't want all that remember none of us is pure from ills or sicknesses our hearts are sick our egos are inflated especially today we are selfish self-centered how many of us in this room today when we are rushing to go around doing our business and suddenly somebody smelling bad dressed terrible maybe sleeping for three days very drunk or drugged and he can't even see properly and he's pulling his hand maybe his trousers been urinated in and you and he said please i haven't eaten please give me something and we just pass them by we don't even give them a look or even if we want to give them we take it because we are frightened to touch them we throw it and run away okay this is very very important okay all of us have these diseases if you show off it's an illness if you get jealous it's an illness if you are meaning giving and sharing it's an illness if you are harsh in your treatment to other it's illness if you swear it's an illness if you backbite it's an i can go on go home and look at all your al-ghazali illnesses that he wrote about the human nature if you don't find anything alhamdulillah but if you find one you are in trouble okay it's hard for you to find a doctor to heal you imam al-shadali rahmatullah alayhi a descendant of rasulullah sallam buried in the east coast of egypt south east egypt in the border between sudan and egypt uh, he is one of the greatest scholars imam al-shadali he had one of the greatest paths called tariq al-shadaliya and we say as sufis man lam yatashaddal lam yatasawwaf the one who is not taken from shadali has not tested what tasawwuf is beautiful his askar his ibadah by his inspiration from allah beautiful one of the greatest azkar he had called hizbul bahr many people read it but i promise you when they are reading it they don't know what they are doing because there is a way for it to be read everything they do they do with isnad with chain today you google it hizbul bahr okay and it will give you this and they say i read it many times nothing happened to me well if you have the wrong key cut you will never open the door okay you need to be shown how to do things that's the way it is okay he said man lam yatagalgal fi ilmina hadha mata musirran ala kabair wa huwa la yashur man lam yatagalgal yatagalgal meaning the one who will not draw himself deeper into our knowledge and try to grasp some of its branches and understand it if he dies he might die doing that which allah has forbidden among the big sins and he does not or she does not know do you know what al-kabaira just some of them like lying like deceiving like drinking alcohol gambling fornicating all those things come under this there is a book called kitab al-kabair the book of the big sins if you get a chance look at them and see because sometimes i say i don't really need to go there but you might need to go there because you need today even if we are healthy when we hear about that there are things that might cause you diseases and affect your life there are many gurus for health 
So we read about them and in the newspaper talking about them. You open your laptop or computer, you see adverts about how to become more healthy, attend things to make you more slim. And we try. And those who are selling those equipment, they're making a lot of money. And it's the same thing, all of it. This is to do with your physical body that will old, get old and rot and be buried and become dust. What about your spirit? What are you doing about it? Imam al-Ghazali says, okay, you sh- it is fart for you to seek it because you must have some disease and you need a doctor to heal you. But Imam al-Shadali says, unless you get deeper into it and understand it, you might die committing sins that bring you disgrace in the hereafter. Number seven, masail or concepts. There are many concepts in this field of tasawuf. And it is understanding the terminology that the Sufis use, like al-ikhlas, sincerity, was-sidq, truthfulness, wa-tawakkul, dependence upon Allah alone, was-zuhd, relinquishing your love to this lower world, wal-wara, avoiding any greed or wanting for yourself, but wanting for those who are less fortunate than yourself, or rida, and accepting the will of Allah whether you have or not. Alhamdulillahi, ala kulli hal. Praise be to Allah for every condition. Wa taslim, and surrendering to Allah. Wal mahabba, loving everyone and everything. Be like those who say, I love to hug a tree. That's it. I love to stroke an animal in the jungle. Why not? Because you should love everything and everyone because everything belongs to Allah. Everything belongs to Allah. And you are a part of that which Allah loves. If you love everything, Allah will love you. Okay? Well, fana. And you should be diminishing your needs for his needs. Well, baqa. And you should always remain constant in his remembrance. Was that the essence of God? والصفات and the attributes of God or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala والقدرة the power of Allah والحكمة the wisdom والروحانية the spiritual ability والبشرية the physical ability there is here something special when we talk about spirituality today and spirituality that was talked about from the beginning of the prophets and specifically in the time of Sayyidina Muhammad and those who followed him there is a big difference Spirituality literally meaning realizing your humanity. Being the true human Allah has created you to be, like Sayyidina Muhammad mm-hmm. But Basharia, physical ability, we're like all the other animals. Yet the animals sometimes are better than us. Which of us here can smell like a dog? Which of us here can see like an owl? Which of us here can run like a cheetah? Which of us here can pull like a horse? When the industrial revolution began and they began to measure power, it wasn't by manpower. What was it by? Horsepower. Allahu Akbar. By horsepower. So the horse is more powerful than us. So it is, and the elephant is more bigger than us, and so on. وحقيقة الحال and the reality of the state that you are in. Because it's not good enough to just imagine the state. When people need to imagine a state, they need to take a physical 
intervention to be like taking drugs. And then they say, oh, I could see. You see nothing. You are not really in a condition to be able to see anything. See? So it must be the reality of the condition that you are in through the teaching of the Quran and the Sunnah. What do you receive in your heart? The stations. Because there are too many stations. And there are many others to think about. So this is to do with the terminology. This is just some of it. And you need to learn that. Number eight, the fadila. Or the benefit of tasawuf. What is this benefit? Fadilatuhu ma'rifat al-dhat al-aliyya wal-qurb minha. It is benefit is to know exactly who Allah is, the Almighty Allah, the Most High, and to try to be close to Him. Allah said in the Quran, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ O Muhammad Sallam, if my servant asks you about me, tell them I am close to them. I am close to them. However, I will only answer those who call upon me. So every time you say, Ya Allah, he is answering, but you are not hearing because there is a veil. لَبَيْكَ abdi. I am here, my servant. And in another verse he says, وَهُوَ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْكُمْ مِنْ حَبْلَ الْوَرِيدِ Allah is closer to you than your jaglavin. This is a physical terminology, but to put you in an understanding of spirituality. What does it mean? If I cut my jaglavin, how long it will take for me to die? Without that blood rushing to your brain, you die. That's why when you cut a sheep, you have to cut here. In Dabh Islami, you have to cut the two areas. That's it. And therefore, Allah is close to you. That without Him, you will not be alive. We are ahya bi hayatihi. We are alive because of Him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Without Him, we will not be here in this position that we are in. Imam al-Junaid said, Junaid, rahmatullah alayhi, is one of the greatest leaders of the Sawf. In fact, they call him the Imam. The leader of all the Sufis. Because from his time, the Sawf began to be built in a school whereby all the knowledge of the Sawf is written and documented properly. Okay? And put on the tariqah, chains are put. Okay? He said, لو نعلم أن تحت أديم السماء أشرف من هذا العلم الذي نتكلم فيه مع أصحابنا لسعيت إليه. He said, if I know under the heavens there is a knowledge more noble than the knowledge of the sawf that I speak to my companion with, I will rush to gain it. That means there is no knowledge better than the knowledge of the sawf. You can read anything. Read any book, read anything. The best written knowledge is the knowledge of spirituality. If it is the right knowledge from the right people. Nisbatuhu, or the relation of this knowledge to what it is related to. Fanisbatuhu min al-uloom karruh min al-jasad. The relationship of this knowledge is like the spirit to the physical body. Can a physical body live without the spirit? No. You need your ruh to be alive. So you need the knowledge of tasawuf to really live as a human being. Why? Because it is the position of perfecting one character. 
by knowing that Allah is watching you every moment of your day or night, as Rasulullah explained to Jibreel السلام, when he asked him, Mal Ihsan, what is Ihsan? He says, Anta'bud Allah ka to worship Allah as if you see him. So it is the best knowledge that you can see. And the last one, number 10, what's the value of this knowledge? So it is fruits, if you really gain it, this knowledge, and put it into practice, safa al-nafs, the purification of one's ego, wasalamat al-qalb, and the cleansing of one's heart, وَمَعْرِفَةْ عَلَّمَ الْقِيُوبِ And getting to know the one who knows all the hidden secrets, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And thereafter, الْإِقْتِدَى بِرَسُولَةً Following the footstep of Rasulullah No Sufi, the Sufi, unless they walk on the path of Muhammad sallallahu Number two, صَفَاءَ الْمُعَامَلَ مَعَ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى The clear relationship between the servant and Allah Almighty God. Clear. With understanding. They know how to treat Allah. They remove themselves from their needs and they begin only to fulfill their need for the sake of Allah. Because Allah says in the Quran, O Muhammad Sallam, indeed the hereafter is better for you than this fairest world you are living in. Imam Al-Junaid, rahmatullah alayhi, said At-Tasawuf mabni ala akhlaq Sufism is built upon manners or conduct or behavior At-Tasawuf mabni ala akhlaq Thamaniya Eight qualities of character from the prophets There are eight prophets Each one of them Allah has given him a distinct quality The Sufis try to fulfill those eight qualities the first quality, sakha, generosity. And this is the quality of Ibrahim He's the most generous. In the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described when he saw from a distant, a dust. He didn't know who was coming. He went straight away and killed the calf. He said to his wife, let us prepare. Alhamdulillah, we have guests coming. We can feed them. This is Eid today for us. Today when we hear the bell ringing, we say, astaghfirullah. There are guests coming. Oh my God. <laughs> we don't need them. <laughs> huh? Call them. We are not at home. Okay. Number two, Ar-Rida. This is the quality of Sayyidina Ishaq, السلام, Accepting the will of God. A Sufi is generous. And a Sufi is always happy with what Allah gives them. If they have, Alhamdulillah. If they don't have, Alhamdulillah. Rida. Radiallahu anhum. Allah is pleased with them. Okay? And they are pleased with him. Number three, As-Sabr, Ayyub alayhi salam. The patience of Ayyub. And you know his story. A man who was so tested with physically, they say that when the little maggots coming out from his skin or not, he will retain them back. Allah has created you to live in my flesh. Stay there. Today we go and buy... <laughs> chemical <laughs> kill but because he knew this is a test I'm not saying to you and if you are sick leave it no but that is for him alayhi salam sabri ayyub when you are a really patient person they say 
هذا صبر ايوب the patience of ايوب عليه السلام and the ذكر of زكريا عليه السلام he was الله اكبر he was one of the greatest زكريا number 5 يحيى عليه السلام and his relinquishing his love to this world by secluding himself he's always alone keeping away from everything and everybody in fact they say because he was the messenger and Isa was the messenger and they are cousins their mothers and sisters so sometimes the malaika come and say ya Isa we are looking for Yahya and we are trying to tell him to do what he doesn't want so when the Isa alayhi salam went to Masitim Yahya I have been told that you are told to deliver your message but you are cutting yourself you are enjoying being alone and doing your own thing and you are not interested either you do it or I'm going to do it on your behalf so they say then he went to this temple and he began to speak from the beauty of his speech even the windows were packed with people looking from outside to see what's going on because he was a magnificent man Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praised him in the Quran number six the wearing of woolen garment suf that Musa alayhi salam this is why the sufis wear the suf because Musa alayhi salam used to wear this garment of wool just out of humility today to buy wool is very expensive but in that day it was the cheapest thing to buy number seven siyaha or traveling on the land not, not having one abode one place to stay that's Isa alayhi salam they say Isa alayhi salam never had a house never had a roof over his head and never owned anything from the day he was told to go around tell people he was just walking from the shore to the land sitting with the fishermen he's just traveling until he was taken to the heavens he never owned anything okay today siyaha is traveling and going to resorts and beaches and enjoying yourself the siyaha for the sufis is to wander traveling around seeking the benefit of Allah by benefiting people number eight and the last one al-faqr living a life of little means by providing the extras always to those who are in need we call it al-faqr Sayyidina Muhammad so the sufis try to act with generosity accept the will of Allah in any condition they find themselves they are always acting with patience they are always continuously trying to remember Allah they are always pushing away their needs for the need of Allah they are always dressed in humble clothings and they are always traveling seeking the benefit for the hereafter and they are always giving their needs to those who are less fortunate than themselves or whatever they have they share with others. Imam al-Shadri rahmatullahi says, At-tasawuf tadribu al-nafs ala al-ubudiyya waraddaha li-ahkam al-rububiyya. Sufism is training oneself to be a servant of God. And returning yourself to be disciplined by the laws of God. Allah Almighty. You can't be a Sufi without God. And you can't be a Sufi without rules and regulations. Therefore, 
all the foundations of Sufism are built upon Sharia, the Islamic law, with striving to perfect one character to reach the highest ranks of Iman and perfection of oneself. When Tasawuf started to build uh, like schools of Sufism whereby people can come, the Western scholars have misguided many people. If you listen to the Western media sometimes, they talk, they say, well, the Sufis are really a minority group. They are insignificant in the world. And my only reason, I think, why they did this, because in every Muslim country they went, the only people who stood before them are Sufis. And the only Islam they found is Islam of Sufism. Islam left Jazirat al-Arab, the peninsula of the Arabs, to Indonesia by Sufis, to Africa by Sufis, to Central Republic of Russia by Sufis, to China by Sufis, to Europe by Sufis. I challenge anybody to tell me otherwise. If you ask anybody from the Balkans after communism was destroyed, or if you ask anybody from the public republics of uh, Russia, the Soviet Union, the old republic, Islamic republics, like Uzbekistan and Chechnya, they are all built upon Sufism. I went to Indonesia. Every mosque I went to, everything they do is the Sufi. The modern kind of Islam you see today in university campuses and everything is bid'ah and everything is haram and everything is shirk and there is only one way, it is my way or the highway. This is the Islam of those modern people whom are resurrecting the evil of people who came in the past, we call them al-khawarij. Al-khawarij are people who were with the Prophet ﷺ time and they were companion of Ali. They're very good in doing everything. They're perfecting themselves. But yet, they're not with you. It's hypocrisy. They say, we're here just only for Allah. Even the, the companion or Al-Bayt, nah, just, we are Allah. Everything else. You hear the same people today when you say, Al-Bayt, say, well, they used to be. But there are al-bayt. The Prophet never said al-bayt only those who were in my time it, until Qiyamah. Otherwise, the Tabi'een, Tabi'at Tabi'een, all the first six, seven generations, they were respecting al-bayt. It is written. Even now, why do we say Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Ali Muhammad? Oh, Allah makes salawat for Muhammad and the family of Muhammad. Why? It means to Qiyamah. If you are descendant from Muhammad, you are descendant from Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And you have a right. But they don't like them. So the Prophet ﷺ one day called Ali ibn Abi Talib and said to me, Ali, there will come a time, there will be people when you meet them, their name will be such and such. And when you meet them, find them. Don't accept. And subhanAllah, at the time of the uh, trouble between Muawiyah and Ali in the Khilafah, they used to shoot from the compass of Ali and they sent some of their students to go to the other side and say, look what they are doing, to try to create war. And they go to Muawiyah's side and they shoot this way and some of them they come to Ali and say, look, they don't. 
And their history is terrible. And exactly the same. Wherever they are, they try to create fitna and war. Every place in the Muslim world today you find war, it is them. Exactly the same. Would Rasulullah go and kill innocent women? Did Rasulullah go and kill uh, innocent Christian or Jews? He doesn't do this. He wasn't. Look at what they are doing in Syria, what they did in Iraq, what they did in Afghanistan, what they are doing in Nigeria, Cameroon, what they are doing in Somalia. What is this? Is this Islam? There's nothing to do with Islam. But if you look at their teaching, they say, we are doing the rising, we are following the Quran and the Sunnah. Are you the only one who are following the Quran and the Sunnah? That's a false claim. Every Muslim follow the Quran and the Sunnah. Some with understanding, some without, and they don't understand. And the basic fundamental mistake they make, they translate jihad into qital. They say, for example, you are not supposed to befriend the non-Muslim. Where did Allah say that? They say, if you find a kafir any place, kill them. Where did Allah say that? They say, you should not greet the non-Muslim. Where did Allah say that? Allah said, if anybody greets you with any greeting, Repeat with a better greeting. And if you are unable to, you are mean and stingy, at least repeat the same. And I can go on. This is not the topic to talk about. But this, is, this group is dangerous and we need to be very careful. Okay? The centers of the Sawf, when they started, they are called, okay, Takiya. Takiya from, يعني, Taki, to, to rest. So the students who are seeking and they are traveling and going from circle to circle, like today you see a lot of young men and women traveling from city to city when there is a sheikh, they go and sit. But if you are trying to do this and you have no means to look after yourself, at least people should welcome you. So they began to build this. And the Paris too, one was built in Iraq, one was built in Palestine. By two students of Al-Hassan al-Bisri, who is from the Tabi'in, and he is living in Basra, in south of Iraq. Two of his best students, they built two. It is called a Takiya, to recline. It is also called a Zawiya. Okay? They build it in a, like a, a, a corner of a place, like that, so that people can see it clearly, okay? like a, the corner shops. And a Dwera, a place whereby people can sit in circles. In non-Arabic language, they call it Khanaga. Or they call it Darga. Okay? Whatever. This is the place. The first person to establish the first Zawiya or Takiya or Dwera or Khanaga or Darga is called Abdul Wahid ibn Zayd. Abdul Wahid ibn Zayd. He is a student of Al Hassan al Bithri and he was his famous student. He was the most precious to him because of his knowledge and understanding of knowledge and practice of knowledge. He established his first place of remembering Allah as a Sufi gathering place in Bisra, in Iraq. All the scholars who wrote the history agree upon that. Except for one Sufi man, Ibn Taymiyyah. He said it's not him, he's a student who built it. So we, because he's alone, we cannot agree with him. So the rest said. The second student who was also very respected from Hassan al-Bisri, took his knowledge and traveled in the year 121, in the second century, to Palestine, 
and in a place called Ramla. Okay, in Palestine, he built the second place whereby he realized a lot of he was so mashallah. This guy, his name is Abu Hashim. He's very well known as Abu Hashim al Kufi. Okay, he was born in Kufa but grew up and studied in Bisra with Hassan al Bisri. And his name, Usman ibn Sharik. Usman ibn Sharik. Some books give him other names. But his name that he's known with, Usman ibn Sharik or Abu Hashim. And he was one of the earliest students of Hassan al Bisri. Lived in Sham from the year 121. He always used to wear a garment of wool, Suf. So Hassan al Bisri always used to call him. Ya Sufi, Ta'al Ya Sufi. And they say he was the first Muslim, Sunni, to be called Sufi in Islam. This Abu Hashim. So they call him Abu Hashim as Sufi because Al Hassan al Bisri used to call him Ta'al Ya Sufi, or you one who wore the Suf garment. Okay? Kana awal man tasamma bis Sufi. Now, one of the greatest scholars of Islam, nobody disagree upon, is called Sufyan al-Sawri. I love him very much. I always tell those people who say, what is Tasawuf? I say, what do you think of Sufyan al-Sawri? say, what do you mean? Is he Sufi? I say, of course he is. They try to claim all the scholars are not ours. They are ours. So I said to them, look, listen. What do you think of Abu Hashim? They say, he's a Sufi. I say, do you know what Sufyan al-Sawri said about him? This is what Sufyan al-Sawri said about Abu He says, Lawla Abu Hashim, if it is not for Abu Hashim, ma to I would never have known. Okay? The magnitude, small areas of hypocrisy. Because many of us only know the big branches of sicknesses or illnesses that make us hypocrites, like lying or not keeping our promises. But there are the smaller things that make you a hypocrite. He said, I would never, as a scholar in Islam, and this is Sufyan al-Sawri, one of the greatest in Islam. He said, Abu Hashim, have shown me this. Who is Abu Hashim? A Sufi. So I always tease them like I say, he is his teacher who taught him. And they live together in the same time. But they used to learn from one another. In this area, I want to finish by telling you that there are a lot of people among the Western writers who wrote a lot of things to try to destroy Tasawuf. In Sudan, where I come from, I was born in a family of Sufis. So when people ask me, did you look to take a tariqah? Never. Because I was born a Sufi. In fact, my uncles, one of them, he died. Many of the brothers who were with me, who went with me to Sudan, they saw him. Uh, he's a very good man. His name is Tayyib, rahmatullahi. And uh, my friend will come to visit us, and they talk to him. He's very, very eloquent. A beautiful poet. And he speaks beautiful Arabic and well-learned. He can speak to you as a professor in your subject. He can speak to anybody. And they used to love him to come and speak to him. And very generous man. You never visit him without him providing for you something to eat. You will never leave. And they ask him, uh, Sheikh Tayyip, where did you take your pass from? He said, I was born in it. Uh, there is no need for me. Because his father was a sheikh, his grandfather was a sheikh, his great-grandfather, they were all in the school of Tasawuf. He said, they born. They were born. And I was born. So I, I just carried what they did and I followed him. Truly, and I, that's what I did. I didn't need to do anything. So they say that the Sufis started late. The Sufis are very few. The Sufis are insignificant. Go today, 
from West Africa to East Africa. And check all the schools of Sufism and come and tell me is their number great or not. I just came from Senegal about five, six weeks ago. I went to a conference for a great Sufi who lived about a hundred and something years ago called Ahmed Bamba, who fought the French, and the French gave him terrible time, but he never fought back by weapons or something. But he managed to win at the end. Can you imagine in the day when they did this celebration, in the gathering of the city, he left at the village with few houses. He wrote then a manual to tell them what he would like the city to be there later on. And today it's the big city. The people who attended that gathering was four million. I was astonished. I have seen two million I think, in Sudan. Wow! Four million. And there was a Nigerian sheikh with me and said, look, we just finished our gathering in North Nigeria and we have seven million. Now you see in television, some of the scholars of the modern days, they have 100,000, 200,000, they're proud. Can you see the gathering? The Sufis, one of their way is humility, they don't show this. But I promise you, travel across the world and you will see the majority of the Muslims, whether they belong to the Sufi schools, they all align with the Sufis. And the younger generation think the Sufis don't have any knowledge. I ask every one of you, go and look into the mother of the books in the libraries. If you find any book not written by the Sufis or the mother of the book, come back to me. All the books of Islam, 500 years before, are written by Sufis, whether they like it or not. There is a, a man, his name is Ronald uh, Nicholson. Uh, my sheikh wrote about him because he, 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 he found one of his research. He is writing and saying that the Sufis started uh, almost... Uh, 500 years after. And he quoted some of the scholars in Islam from their books. So the Sheikh looked at all their books. He said, I did not find anything he said to be true. All of it contradicting. And I don't have time to explain to you. But the way he writes it, the Sheikh, beautiful. He said, this is nonsense. In Islam, when you quote anything, you must quote it with honesty. We don't copy things without the understanding where it comes from because that's not our way. Now, we're going to come and talk about those great noble human beings that I was telling you about so that inshallah you could understand okay so if we said Sufism to us is purity of the heart through disciplining our egos so that our heart can be fulfilled through the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to receive the light of God or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and being close to him. Okay? Rasulullah sallam in another verse in Surah Al-An'am or two verses, okay? 52 and 53, Surah Al-An'am, the cattle, and you can read them. Told them about those men I told you about earlier on, Ahl al-Sufa. He said to him, do not send away from your masjid those who stay in the masjid before sunrise and before sunset to remember Allah. You redo na wajhahu. Only one thing his face, subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are not to be concerned about them. You are not going to judge them in the day of judgment. And they are not going to be judging you. You send them away and you become one of those who do wrong. 
This is very, very important. Allah is commanding Rasulullah do not send away those who come to the masjid to sit before sunrise and sunset to remember Allah. Today we live in a time whereby the masjid is closed after the salah. And if you want to stay after the salah to do extra zikr or ibadah, they tell you, no, no, go and do it at home. Why did the masjid is built for? So that we can go there and seclude ourselves to be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, so Ahl al-Suffa are the first people, okay, to be among those whom we call Sufis. Who are they? I'm going to mention 14 of them for you. Number one, Bilal ibn Rabah, Bilal al-Habashi, the Mu'adhin of Rasulullah the one who used to call the Adhan. He died in the year 49 Hijri. He was one of those people. Allah praised in the Quran. Salman al-Farisi. Who doesn't know Salman? The Persian. The one who helped the Prophet ﷺ to win the battle of the ditch by giving him the idea of doing the ditch to protect himself in Medina. He died in the year 50 Hijri. Abu Ubaida Amir ibn Jarrah. Allahu Akbar. He died 51 Hijri. Abu Ubaida Amir ibn Jarrah. One of the greatest companions. Sal- Salim Mawla ibn Abi Huzaifa. Salim Mawla Abu Huzaifa. The companion Abu Huzaifa, he had one of those men who were with him called Salim, who died 52 Hijri. Ammar ibn Yasir, the son of Sumayyah, and Yasir, the fairest martyrs in Islam, died 53 Hijri. Udba ibn Maz'ud, who died in the year 54 Hijri. Udba ibn Maz'ud. Khabab ibn Al-Art, very famous, very well known for his devotion to Allah and Rasulullah died in the year 55 Hijri. Suhaib ibn Sinan al-Rumi, Suhaib, the Romans, okay, who died 56 Hijri. And the greatest companion that we should all get to know about, Abu Dhar, Jundub ibn Junad al-Ghifari, Abu Dhar al-Ghifari from Ghifar. He is uh, somebody else. He used to be the teacher of the jinn because the Prophet was sent to the human and the jinn. And therefore, he, the Prophet used to send him out into the desert to meet the jinn and teach them. Juntub ibn Junada, Abu Dhar al Ghifari. Number 10, he died in 57. Abu Dhar died in the year 57 Hijri. Then Abu Murthad, Kanaan ibn al Hussein al Ghinwi. Abu Murthad, Kanaan ibn al Hussein al Ghinwi, who died 58. Hijri. 11. Maz'ud ibn al-Rabi' al-Qari. Maz'ud ibn al-Rabi' al-Qari. Who died 59 Hijri. Number 12. Abu Darda. Uwaymir ibn Amir. Very famous companion. Abu Darda. Who died in the year 60 Hijri. Number 13. Al-Habab ibn al-Munzir. Al-Habab ibn al-Munzir. Who died 61 Hijri. And number 14, Abdullah ibn Badr al-Jihani. Abdullah ibn Badr al-Jihani, number 62. Why am I giving those names? Because I want you, because you can find their stories and read them. I have books at home, in Arabic unfortunately, called Kutub al-Rijal. And I have books for the, for the women as well, to tell us all the great men and women. From the time of the Now if you have time, read the biographies of those men. If you don't find those men, we're living the life of the Sufi who is trying to devote himself to Allah. Come and challenge me. All of them. None of them. Their stories are just perfect. 
they were men who devoted themselves to the love of Allah and Rasulullah and they followed suit. They never did anything else. No dunya. Why I'm saying this? Because today there are people who say to you, look, why, why do you have to do more dhikr? Why are you carrying it? Why do you have to count? I will tell you in the coming lessons, why do we have to? If Allah said, compete in this, and Allah said, remember me a lot, I want to do a lot. You don't tell the people outside, why are you trying to accomplish more wealth? You encourage them to do more and to get more money. Go to Mecca today. Most of the people are buying and selling. Go to Medina. People are into the dunya. One of the greatest noblest men of this land, who wrote one of the best books, Muhammad Sallallahu yeah, Martin Links, he, he said when he went to Hajj earlier, and he went to Hajj early, later, he realized that things are changing. There is more people coming now, there's more buildings, it's all business and selling, but in the past it used to be different. You see, if we go today, it's different. Because life has been changed. But then they came after those great men. Okay? These are all companions, by the way. And there are many others. These are just some sample of them. Then they came, the men whom we look up to among the Tabi'een and those who lived in the later life of the companions, starting with Uwais al-Qarani. And if you did not read his story, read it. The Prophet ﷺ said to the companions, Abu Bakr, Umar, and Uthman, if you meet him, ask him to ask Allah to forgive you. The Prophet is asking the greatest companion, if they meet this man, to ask him to ask Allah, subhanAllah. Who is he? He's one of the greatest muhsineen or Sufi men. Haram ibn Hayyan. All the books of the Sufis, they mention him. He's one of the, our greatest scholars. Abu Halima Habib ibn Salim al-Ra'i. Abu Halima Habib ibn Salim al-Ra'i. Abu Hazim Salam ibn Dinar. Allahu Akbar. Malik ibn Dinar. Very famous Sufi. His writing, his wisdom is of great benefit. Number six, Al-Hassan al-Bisri. Al-Hassan ibn Yasar al-Bisri. Rahmatullah Ali. Read his biography, Al-Hassan al-Bisri. You will understand what I'm talking about. Number seven, Ayyub ibn Kisan al-Sikhistani. Ayyub ibn Kisan al-Sikhistani. Number eight, Muhammad ibn Wasi'. Number nine, one of my noblest men I look up to, Muhammad, okay, or Abdullah ibn Mubarak. Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdullah ibn Mubarak. Abdullah ibn Mubarak. Very famous Sufi. Number 10, Abdul Wahid ibn Zayd ibn Muhammad. Number 11, Udba al-Ghulam. Allahu Akbar. Number 12, Allahu Akbar. And Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq. Imam, this is the descendant of the Prophet Sallallahu Ja'far al-Sadiq. Allahu Akbar. This is Husayni from Hussein, Allahu Akbar. Ja'far al-Sadiq, he's the leader of the biggest group in the Shia. He's one of the greatest Sufis. Number 13, Abu Hashim al-Sufi, I told you about earlier on. Abu Hashim al-Sufi, Uthman ibn Sharik, the one who built the second madrasa in Ramla in Palestine. Number 14, my favorite, Ibrahim ibn Atham. Imam Ibrahim ibn Atham. When 11 September took place, 
and Bush came out in television. I don't know whether he knows or not. They asked him, he said, these Wahhabis. <laughs> he said a lot of strange things. These, these Wahhabis. Allahu Akbar. So, and he said, their books, they must change their curriculum. They must burn their books. So the students get a little bit angry. And then there is a, a very sensitive link, business-wise, of money and dunya now requires these things. The world requires money and businesses. Sometimes they turn a blind eye because of this. Most of these things happening, where do they come from? If you want to stop any disease, go to the root. Most of those who are causing problems in the world, even in this country, some of the people who cause problems here, if you look at their education, where were they taught? There. In Medina University. And to come and cause all this trouble. That means there is something. So, they told him this is not the way. So I was told by somebody from this country, from the government, we're going to send a delegation to you, show them how you teach your children Islam in Muslim school in this country. So we got the minister of uh, curriculum okay, from Saudi Arabia and some of his staff to come and sit with me. And they asked me what is wrong. So I brought their books for them. Their books for children, you find uh, not a picture but a drawing of a man but there is no head. <laughs> what is this? So the children say, teacher, why? The head is cut off. What did they do? Because they don't want to teach them. Now, because it's wrong to see the, the eyes. So I said to the minister, when I go to Saudi Arabia, in your newspapers, there are pictures. Pictures of the king, pictures of Nai, pictures of everybody. The mashayikh themselves, who break this fatwa. Every office I enter into, there is a picture of the king on his right, the first person to take after him. On his left, there is a picture. All over the place, there are pictures. I said to him, give them proper books, take the right pictures in it, let them learn. And I showed him books yani from Turkey, beautiful books, subhanAllah. I said, look at these books. The paper is good, the pictures are nice, beautiful photography. And I said to him, there is a big problem that I see. When you teach a child who is just in the age of puberty, 13, 14, something contradicting, he will not respect what he is learning neither respect the education system. You are teaching them at 13 years old, 14 years old. Celebrating the founder of the kingdom is very important, fundamental, to love the country. We should love it. That's true. But celebrating the Prophet is no good. The man who established the deen, we cannot celebrate his life. But the man who established the kingdom, what is this? Where did this come from? So I said, this is a contradiction. In humanities, Celebrate the man who established the country. In religious studies, don't celebrate the man who brought you the deed. Why? Because it's bid'ah, dalala, shirk. Wallah, the heading. I was showing him the books. So I said to him, teach your children the stories of the greatest men and women who lived in Mecca. He said, he said like I said, Ibrahim Natham. If now you look at their curriculum, they put things like that. So read the story of Ibrahim Natham, and you, then you realize why I'm saying what I'm saying. Okay? Ibrahim Natham. And then 15 al-Imam Sufyan al-Sawri. He's one of our imams, whether they like it or not. Okay? Number 16, Imam Dawood ibn Nasir al-Ta'i. Dawood ibn Nasir al-Ta'i. Number 17, the greatest Zahid, Faraqad al-Sabkhi. Faraqad al-Sabkhi, one of the greatest Zahideen. Number 18, Imam Abu Ali al-Fudayl ibn Iyad. 
الفضيل بن عياض very famous if you should know number 19 الشيخ شقيق البلخي and number 20 the last one الشيخ ابو محفوظ معروف ابن فيروز الكرخي الشيخ محفوظ ابو محفوظ معروف ابن فيروز الكرخي these are some of the greatest names who taught and practiced the knowledge of Sufism. Why did I have to go into trouble mention all their names? Because I would like you, when you hear their name, to make sure and understand Tasawwuf did not just come later on, or Tasawwuf did not just suddenly somebody went to India and saw the Buddhist worshiping they took from Buddhism, as some people say, or some of the Christians who say, well, the Sufis began their teaching because they saw the monks and they took from them. The nonsense, rubbish. <coughs> Nothing to do with anything but to do with zuhd. Meaning, relinquishing love for the world, which is lawa, a dunya, and longing for the hereafter. Cleansing one heart from all the ills, purifying our own egos, and fulfilling our living by remembering Allah in abundance. That's the way of the Sufis. <laughs> What time is it now? What's the nine? So to finish with, I'm going to go through names I think are important. I'll tell a little bit about them. Because these men, in their time, they began. This is the third generation. Okay? From the year 200 plus, these men, okay, in the third century, they began to spread Tasawwuf. One of their greatest men, Abdurrahman ibn Atiyah Darani. We, we call him in the book of Sufi Abu Sulaiman, the father of Sulaiman. He died in, 2000, in 215 Hijri. He was famous in Damascus. One of the cities that really benefited from the Sawf is Dimashq. And Alhamdulillah, still there, there is no war in it as such. If Allah brings peace to this country, go and visit it. I visited it only once. But from the time you enter it and you leave, it is beautiful because you could feel that something is special. Even Bilal, Ibn Rabah is buried there. And a lot of companions are buried there. Anybody been to Syria? Beautiful country. None of you. Inshallah, once this war finished, you need to go. Yeah? You need to go because now I will not encourage anybody to travel to Syria, but later on, <laughs> otherwise you'll be in trouble. Yeah? You don't go to Syria, you go later on. The second person who spread Sufism, Bishr al-Hafi. Very famous, Bishr al-Hafi. Okay? Al-Hafi meaning the one who was always barefooted. Okay? The one who always... And he used to be called, his Kunya, Abu Nasr. He was born in a small town called Maru, in Iraq. Then he moved to Baghdad and lived in it until he died in 227. If you go to Baghdad, okay, he's buried there. Baghdad is one of the cities that well, a lot of the awliya are buried in. Yeah, one of the great cities. Number three, Ahmad ibn Abil Hawari. Ibn Abil Hawari. Ahmad ibn Abil Hawari. He was also called Abul Hassan. He is from Dimashq, from Damascus. Imam al-Junaid, the leader of Sufis, the man who is of the highest rank, described him. He, he says he is Rehana to Sham. Okay? He is like the flower okay, of Sham. He died in 230 Hijri. 
نمبر فور الحارث بن اسد المحاسبي الشيخ المحاسبي از فيري فيموس هي يوست بي كولد ابو عبد الله هي واز بورن ان بصره ليفد ان بغداد ان دايد ان بغداد از ويل 243 نمبر 5 ثوبان ابن ابراهيم المصري This is our sheikh from North Sudan in a place called Halfa in Sudan called Anun al-Masri. We are proud of him. He's 200, died in 245, the Anun al-Masri. Halfa is in, in, in the north of Sudan. It's a very beautiful place. Uh, a lot of holy. In fact, from it came as well in Dongula, that area, Saleh al-Ja'fari in Egypt, the sheikh of Samir Tijani, my sheikh as well, from that place. So we, the Nun al-Masri is very famous. He wrote beautiful books. All these mashayikh I'm mentioning, their writing is the best. If you want to talk about the nafs, if you want to talk about uh, the ego, the, the spirit, the heart, the mind, you want to talk about spirituality, you will not find it anywhere in the books of Sharia. You find it only in their books. Okay? If you ask anybody to come and speak about spirituality, among those who don't understand Tasawuf, they will tell you, يعني either you should seek somebody else or they try or they come and give the talk about spirituality to be making salah and making fasting no it is to do with the heart it's to do with the ego it's to do with the mind it's to do with the spirit that is spirituality not to do with the physical act the physical act are there to lead you to it okay uh, the non masri Yani was one of the greatest men who spoke about Tasawuf. Okay. And he said a lot of things. And I have got one of his books at home. Whenever I'm feeling يعني, longing to those kind of men to be with them, I read and it makes you feel good. He said one of his statements, a sign of one who loves truly Allah, Almighty Allah. Following his beloved Muhammad in his manners. وأفعاله in his action وأوامره and whatever he commanded وسننه whatever he carried out you can't say I love Allah without following Rasulullah to see somebody who really truly love Allah you find this person following Rasulullah in everything specifically in his manners and actions okay he died in 245 and number 6 السري السقطي very famous sheikh ابن المفلس المفلس السقطي الفسري ابن المفلس السقطي he is the uncle of Junaid ام الجنيد and his teacher in تصوف he died uh, in 257 okay And then we have Abu Zakaria, Yahya ibn Ma'ad al-Razi, Imam al-Razi, very famous, yeah, Imam al-Razi, very famous. He was very famous in Tasawuf and well known for his understanding. 
he, he died 258. The next person you should all know, Abu Yazid al-Bastami, rahmatullahi They call him the Imam of the Imma uh, of the Sauf. It is him who said the following statement. إذا لو نظرتم إلى رجل أعطي من الكرامات حتى يرتقي في الهواء فلا تختروا به If you look at a man who has been given miracles until he flies on the air don't let this divert you until حتى تنظروا كيف تجدونه عند الأمر الناي until you look when it comes to the commandment of Allah do and don't. How is he? Wahafid al Hudud wa Adabashriya and he understands the rights and the rules of the law of Islam. Anybody could be using other means to do these things. You can walk on fire, you can walk on water. Okay? Through magic, whatever rubbish, all that. But a man who does it because Allah honored them to do it, he must be fulfilling the Sharia. He must be always fulfilling the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? He died in the year 261, but there are some writings earlier, 244. Either 244 or 261, but I think 261 is more closer. The next one is also very famous. Al-Imam Muhammad Sahl ibn Abdullah al-Tusturi. Or al-Tusturi, sometimes they call him. Al-Imam al-Tusturi. <laughs> he died in 273. He met the al Masri in Mecca and he took from him some of the knowledge. Okay, that made him the man he is. If you read the, the Sufi literature, this man is always mentioned for his high position in understanding the spiritual living and the spiritual life. Number 10, Abu Sa'id Ahmad ibn Isa. He's famous in when you read the literature of the Sauf, his name Al Kharraz. Al Kharraz. Okay. Sometimes they call him the tongue of Sufism. He was a companion of the Nun al Masri and he walked out with uh, Bishr al Hafi or Surya al Sagati. These all they lived in the similar times and he was with them. And he was one of the most truthful men in his time. He said once, He said, anything that you keep within yourself as a reality from Allah, but what you does that people can see is opposite to what you believe in inside, then it's no good. Because what is in and what is out should be the same. Yeah? Otherwise, hypocrisy. And he says, this is a clear indication that those who are seeking the Sufi path must keep away from hypocrisy. Away. Yeah. He died, Rahmatullah Ali, 277. Number 11, Abu Abdullah Umar ibn Uthman al-Makki. He is one of the students of Imam al-Kharraz, Rahmatullah Ali. He was one of those Sufis whom people used to look up to for his opening that Allah had given to him. 
he wrote one of the best books I have at home. In fact, it was gifted to me called Qut al-Qulub. Yeah. Because يعني, in it there are a lot of beautiful things. يعني, it's just encouraging you what part of the Quran to read, what Athkar to read. He tells you about the very subtle things about how the nature of the human being can be molded. How can you perfect yourself? I hope it can be translated in English. Sometimes his name is also Abu Talib al-Makki. They call him Abu Talib al-Makki. What about Abdullah Umar ibn Uthman al-Makki? Abu Talib al-Makki. Another book he wrote called Ilm al-Qulub. So the first book, Qut al-Qulub, the food of the heart. The second book, Ilm al-Qulub, the knowledge of the heart. Because of those two books, he became one of the most famous Sufis because there is a lot of knowledge in them. He died to 91. When I talk about the Sufis writing books, today, I don't know. Yani if somebody said, I wrote a book. Okay, mashallah, let me see the book. You open the book, it is all cut and paste. Yani, there is nothing from the man who wrote it. Well, you didn't write anything. Yani, you write a book about anything, any subject, let's just say. So you write verses, a hadith, a word of other scholars. You collect it together. Something people did, you could say, this is a collection that I collected in this title. That's it. You, coll you put it together. When you say, I wrote a book, you need to write from me. What did you put into it? When I saw the Sufis wrote, the majority of what is in the book is their writing. Their interpretation. So I can read the Quran. But there is an interpretation of the Quran. Not translation, by the way. Interpretation. Tafsir. You see, you could read Allahu Ahad. It is three verses, four verses, very short. Allahu Ahad, Allahu Samad, Lam Yalid, Walam Yulid, Walam That's it, four verses. But the tafsir is, could be volumes. <laughs> the interpretation, because Allahu Akbar, yes, the, the one who interprets could bring hadith, could bring stories, could bring this, but he will tell why I'm doing this. Just like when you do a research, you don't just copy and cut and paste. It doesn't make sense. You see? Number 12, Abu Ishaq Ibrahim Ibn Ahmad Al-Khawas. Also very famous sheikh. One of the people whom people look up to. Okay? He was, subhanallah, very, very famous for the knowledge which we call the knowledge of tawakkul. Okay? And he says once, Knowledge is not that you memorize a lot. You have full memory. Because today we are astonished when we see somebody knows a lot. Wow. He knows. Memory is memory. You see, it's not really knowledge. Indeed, the scholar is the one who follows the knowledge. And he used the knowledge. And follows the example of Sayyidina Muhammad Sallam. Even if the knowledge is very little. So don't say to yourself, how can I be like those men when they have all that knowledge? No, 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 no. Even if you have little knowledge, but what we need from you is appreciation of what you know and putting that what you know in practice and remembering Allah in abundance. He died in the year 291. Number 13, Abu Hussein Ahmad ibn Abdul Samad, Al Imam al Nawawi. Well, sorry, Al Nuri, sorry, Al Imam al Nuri. 
الإمام النوري نوت النووي النوري He was born in Baghdad and grew in Baghdad He was one of the students of Suraya Sagati and he was one of the students who were studying at the same time with Imam al-Junaid one of the greatest scholars of Islam He said in his wisdom Sinfan min al-Nans Adizan Sinfan two groups of people are noble groups Alimun ya'mal bi'ilmihi A knowledgeable person acting upon his knowledge وعارفٌ ينطقُ عن حقيقة أنا وَن who have achieved knowledge of Allah سبحانه وتعالى speaks from reality not he thinks but he speaks from reality okay also he said من رأيته يدعي مع الله حالة تخرجه عن حد العلم الشرعي فلا تقتربن منه this is for you today is very important من رأيته يدعي مع الله حالة if you see somebody who act that he has a position with Allah I am close to Allah me and Allah like that I don't do anything without him telling me what to do I have seen him in my dreams because I'm allowed to the Prophet does not disappear from my sight for a second he is there all the time What I eat, what I drink, is by his supervision. Is the Prophet sitting there telling you, take this, don't take that? <laughs> don't buy this in the shop, we say. Don't take cornflakes, they take water bags. What is this nonsense? <laughs> Trabash. There are people like that today. And a lot of young people like you, intellectual, mashallah, young, following them. Wow, wow. Very careful. He said, "مرة أيته يدعي مع الله حالة تخرجه عن حد العلم الش حد العلم الشرعي فلا تقربنا منه." If you see anybody who thinks he had a condition with Allah and a state with Allah, but it gets him out from Sharia, he break the rules in certain area that need to be governed by the book of Allah and the teaching of Rasulullah Sallam. Don't come close to them. I heard of a man who said to people. That in the Quran there is a verse. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ألا إن أولياء الله لا خوف عليهم ولا ميحزنون. Indeed, the أولياء of Allah no fear will come to them and they will never be sad. This verse, although it says أولياء in plural, but it means one, and that one is me, living today. Today I am the closest man to the Prophet Sallam, and there is no man closer than me. The one person asked him. What about Abu al-Siddiq? He said, even Abu al-Siddiq. This breaks in the Sharia. Because the Prophet said, the closest to me is Abu al-Siddiq. Allah says, this one fil ghar. So a person like that, you run from them, you're running from the beast in the jungle. Run away. Not like you're running from the police. <laughs> the police could catch you and let you go, but the beast will finish you. So <laughs> you need to be careful. So this is what he meant here. Don't let people... Cheat you, and I'm 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 really doing this now because a lot of you are seeking the path, but there are people there claiming to have the path, but they don't have. And imagine this being said long time ago. Number fourteen, our our leader, our Sheikh Abu Qasim Al Junaid ibn Muhammad ibn Al Junaid Al Baghdadi. This is this is the Sheikh, 
الامام الجنيد رحمه الله every sufi agrees if there is any real sufi is this man الامام الجنيد okay he is from Nahawant born and raised in Iraq he was a faqih a man of fiqh and his madhab madhab Abi Thawr now people when you say madhab Ibn Abi Thawr in, in, in the fiqh they don't know Abu Thawr because it's not no longer there madhab Hassan al-Bisri madhab Sifyan al-Sawri have you heard about them? no but you hear Abu Hanifa madhab Malik Abu Hanifa Shafi'i Ahmad ibn Hanbal Ja'far al-Sadiq there were 13 school of fiqh most of them by the way too hard because those men were very strict when you look at Abu Hanifa and Malik they were so good to us <laughs> if we had the early one we would not be following <laughs> Allah is good to us so Alhamdulillah okay so he was following a madhab called madhab Bithawr okay and he was his student fil fiqh Al-Imam Abu Thawr gave him the ijazah to become a mufti. And here is a word for you. Fatwa comes from a man who studied the Quran and the Sunnah of Prophet the Hadith and understand the reality in the time and the place of the people where they live. And when you have a problem, whether it's to do with marriage, buying and selling, whatever, marriage and divorce, you talk to this mufti, he will look into the law. Just like a barrister. You find every barrister have got a huge library behind him. He will never give you any judgment until he looks into the books where it might go. Anybody studied law, they know that. So the mufti has to tell. But today, every Muslim is a mufti. And this is where you need to be careful. And a lot of us, seriously, a lot of us, deliberately, we want the one who can give us the easiest way out. My husband, يعني, divorced me three times but I know in my heart the three times he divorced me he didn't really mean it can I go back to him are you sure he, was he angry yeah he, he, he's temperamental I think he was angry oh you can go to him <laughs> you can't make judgment like that who are you this is a very 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 secret knowledge a mufti is somebody who knows the Quran who knows the hadith who knows the life of the people where he lives I can't ring Sudan today to my masjid and say, can you give me a fatwa about London? What do you know about London? Doesn't make sense. So please be careful, because a lot of us are not understanding this. So he was one of the great muftis. Okay? Uh, Imam Junaid was accepted by all the scholars of Sharia and all the scholars of the Sawuf as somebody who can be trusted because he was just in delivering and he was absolutely straightforward in his behavior and conduct with everybody okay and he wrote many writings and put a lot of things for people to appreciate and understand this knowledge he died in the year 297 now my sheikh said he mentioned all those in his book here to give us the students who are learning and understanding that tasawwuf is not for those ignorant Muslims who try to break the building of the Islamic institution that made Islam great by saying the Islam that was brought by those early men, most of it is from them, neither from Allah nor Rasulullah, so it is bid'ah, innovation, so they shun it. 
or claim the Sahaba did not really come from Islam but came from Buddhism or Hinduism or came from the Christian monks or the Orientalist whom their purpose to my knowledge from what I see writing is just to try to bring whatever they can bring out to put Islam in a very very ugly position and there is no way they can do that but to destroy the school of Islam that it is men were known to be the righteous men it is men are the one who wrote the best of the knowledge of Islam they are the one who collected the hadith they are the one who took too much care about the chain the silsila of narration whether it is in Quran hadith seer anything they are the men whom they devoted themselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger by being truthful and honest above everything else by being just and righteous in everything they did and these examples that I gave are of men and there are women I did not mention who lived in the first second and third century if people want to know when Tasawwuf started to us it started by Ahlul Sufa because they were men of zikr because Tasawwuf in its essence is doing a lot of zikr you don't see anybody else but the Sufis encourage a lot of zikr even those who are not Sufis when they see somebody like me carrying a Sibha oh you are a Sufi of course I am Alhamdulillah I hope I am Okay, because they know this is our sign we want to do a lot of zikr not collect a lot of money <laughs> now this started in the first generation before the first hundred years of Hijrah and then it was made stronger in the second hundred years and in the third hundred years it spread all over before the year 300 Hijri the soul was all over the place and got to know and inshallah when we come next week we're going to go deeper into some aspect of this knowledge and how can we as students of Tasawwuf or people who are seeking the path of Tasawwuf find the right place through which we can gain that knowledge inshallah may Allah bless me and bless you and guard us and forgive us if anybody have any question please ask me yeah any question yeah you mentioned the 10 things about Eight and ten, yeah. number nine. I yeah. don't know what happened, but I kind of missed it. You missed number nine. I will tell you what number nine was. Okay. What is the relationship between the knowledge of Tasawuf and the rest of the knowledge of Islam? The relationship, the Sheikh says, is like the spirit to the physical body. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ explained to Jibreel in the hadith when he asked him what is Ihsan he said it's to worship Allah as if you see him <coughs> but indeed you cannot see Allah so as if to say that without Tasawwuf your knowledge of Islam is incomplete because Tasawwuf is about perfection of one character Allah said Qad aflaha man successful is the one who purifies his nafs from all it is ill so that the heart can be purified thereafter anybody else? yes my sister Yes. Will we be covering that at any stage? Because I'm quite interested to hear 
I will be mentioning it, but not in details. Uh, we, we tried to do this uh, two years ago. Uh, I'm in the notes. It took us, I was planning to do the 99 names, yani in about maybe 15, 16, 20 weeks maximum. It ended up in about 35 weeks. Uh, it's all recorded, isn't it? But what we need to do is, because in that course, I brought the people who are really interested to talk about the significance of the name in calling Allah by those names. Allah said in the Quran, for Allah are the most beautiful names. Call him by those names. In dhikr. And I was explaining, there is two ways of making dhikr. There is a dhikr of need, and the dhikr of longing. When you are making dhikr for need, you say, yeah. You only say, yeah, when you are in trouble. <laughs> ya Rab, Ya Allah. <laughs> okay, you call for help. When you are calling for help. But when you say, Allah, that means you're just longing to him. Rahman, Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Ar-Rahim. When you call him just by his name, you, you don't want help. You're just remembering his name. Just you, you find the beauty in that name. So I was going through that and then giving the significance of that name, it is meaning, how can we use it, how many times can we read it. Okay. So what I would suggest is, in this, I, maybe I will mention a little bit when we talk about dhikr, but inshallah, if people are interested, we can do we can do the names again, inshallah. Because that is it's a very good course. Those who attended it, it benefited them. Yani, I, I don't take my word, ask Amina, ask the people who attended. Because they still they take it very seriously and they, they are using what we told them. Because if you have it, then it is there. And if suddenly, for example, I gave them one wisdom I learned. Once we were sitting with a lot of scholars of Sufism. But amongst us, there was no uh, people who are weak in knowledge. They're all and there are people who are not Sufis, but scholars of fiqh. And um, somebody asked a question, and a simple man came in and said, Mashaykh, you are all sitting here, have a question. If my life is difficult, and my sustenance is not easy to achieve, whom should I call? What dua shall I make? And this faqih, who's not a Sufi, who knows? He said, see, it's simple. He say, Ya Razak, he is a sustainer. He is the one there for you. He will give you everything. An old sheikh, Sufi sheikh, turned to the man and said to him, if you go and work in a company, and you work from there in Sudan, we work from 8 to 2, and they fixed a wage, before you finish your work, can you call for your wage? He says, no. He said, when you finish your wage, you are given. If you don't attend your work, can you be given your wage? He said, no. He said, what shall I do, Sheikh? He said, then there is another name for asking Allah to give you. It's called the giver, Al-Wahhab. So, when you are in need, ask the one who can give you. Like the employee who wants extra, but his week is not finished, but he can do overtime. You understand? And if your employer is happy with you, he can give you that overtime. If you want to be given a promotion, prove yourself to your employer, he will promote you. If you want at the end of the year to get a bonus, show them that this work you are doing, you are not just doing it just to earn a salary, but you are doing it as if it is your own. Definitely, when there is division of the fruits of the labor, you will get a bonus. The old bankers, they strive very hard because they know there is a big bonus. The salary might be little, but the bonus might be great. Yeah. So this is our way we work as Sufis. We're not really, because the Islam, the five daily prayers, the Siyam, the Ramadan, and the Hajj, the Zakah, 
If we do it, we are paid. If we don't, we are going to be questioned about it, maybe punished. Okay? But striving in Iman and trying to perfect our activities with Ihsan that bring us the bonuses and give us the higher ranking, inshallah, with Allah. Anybody else with a question? Everybody satisfied? أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد مبارك وسلم يا الله يا رحمن يا رحيم يا أرحم الراحمين يا حي يا قيوم يا علي يا عظيم يا ذا الجلال والإكرام يا ذا الجلال والإكرام يا ذا الجلال والإكرام والله all those men we mentioned their name among the companions the تابعين وتابع التابعين والله from بلال بن رباح to إمام الجنيد to the last of those whom you have spread the knowledge of this beautiful way of living Islam through. May you forgive those men. May you exchange all their bad deeds to good deeds. May you multiply their good deeds many times over. May you raise them to the highest, loftiest place, Ya Allah. May you put them always in your sight. And may they always dwell with Sayyidina Muhammad in the highest level of Jannah. May they drink from his righteous hand. A drink that they will never be thirsty thereafter. May we be forgiven. May all our sins be exchanged to good deeds and may our deeds be multiplied many times over and be gifted from you, O Allah, most merciful, most kind. A position to be with them. May we drink from the fountain and kawthar, from the blessed right hand of Rasulullah a drink that we will never be thirsty thereafter, Ya Kareem. May you, Allah, forgive our parents. Those who are alive, give them long life with obedience. Allow us to be obedient to them. Let them forgive us for the shortcomings and the mistakes we make. Those who passed away, may you forgive them, raise them to the highest place in Jannah, and may we be forgiven by them, Ya Rahim. All relatives that we know or we don't know, that we link with or we don't link with, Ya Allah. If there is any animosity in our heart, O oh Allah, erase it. If there is anyone we have not forgiven, O oh Allah, we forgive them. If there is anything in our heart against them, O oh Allah, erase it, Ya Kareem. O oh Allah, allow us to live with people with dignity and honor, and to have the best of character with living with them, Ya Kareem. All those who are sick, may Allah heal them. All those who are looking after them in hospital and hospices, may Allah look after them. The unemployed, may Allah employ them. The employers, may Allah give them tawfiq to employ extra people, Ya Kareem. Oh Allah, all those who are single, may they find the righteous partners. Oh Allah, those who are married, may you increase their love in their home. Bond their heart and unite them. And oh Allah, those who are having children, may you raise their children to be the righteous. And those who have no children, may you give them children. Oh Allah, I ask of you in this moment of time, those who are serving us in this place, room is cave. Amina and Isa, Ya Rabbil Alameen, and Umar and Galiza, may you exalt them and give them tawfiq, and may you guide them to the best of positions, and may you give them tawfiq to be able to serve your servant, so that they will be benefiting here and hereafter. May the work we do, O oh Allah, to benefit people be accepted by you. And may Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, Bless all of you sitting here. If any one of you have anything in their heart that Allah is knowing of and that will be of benefit for you, may Allah fulfill for you. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all the people who used to attend in this place and not with us tonight. May Allah give them tawfiq and success for dunya wal akhirah. Ya Rabbil Alameen, Ya Arhamur Rahimeen, Ya Arhamur Rahimeen, Ya Arhamur Rahimeen. Ikhfir lana walil muslimin. Wa salli wa sallim ala nabiya al-ameen wa alihi wa sallim. As-salatu wa salamu alayka ya sayyidi ya rasulallah. الصلاة والسلام عليك يا سيدي يا نبي الله الصلاة والسلام عليك يا سيدي يا حبيب الله الصلاة والسلام عليك يا سيدي يا خير خلق الله الصلاة والسلام عليك يا إمام المرسلين الصلاة والسلام عليك يا خاتم النبيين 
الصلاة والسلام عليك يا شفيع المسنبين ألف صلاة وألف سلام عليك وعلى آل بيتك أجمعين سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الفاتحة بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين نعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين. I mean, Jazakumullah khairan, and we'll see you inshallah next week.